0: like this one. I think probably the reason I like it is because of the way Paul is encouraging the church family and just nudging them along, helping them take a step, helping them to get going. If you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a second. Um, We're talking about where we are in this is that Paul is talking to them about being liked. Now let's backtrack just a little bit because if you remember when Paul writes this letter, he is in prison and I don't know about you, but if I'm in prison, I'm, not, I'm probably not all that joyful. It's not all that much fun. It's not a good place to be. And in addition to being in prison, he is chained. And if you know the story about how that works, is you get a chain, you're chained to a guard on this side, and you're chained to a guard on this side. And they change out constantly. And so he is saying, even in your suffering, there's an opportunity to be light. And so Paul took that Seriously, so much so that every time the guards changed, he told them about this Jesus. Every time. And the scriptures tell us that the whole imperial guard knew about this Jesus because every time the guards were changed, he was like, hey, they're like, oh, here we go again. He's going to tell us about Jesus. And then guess what? Let me just tell you when somebody in the midst of suffering is being light, it's powerful it's powerful. It, it, it has the power and the ability to reach people. And so he says, even in your hardest situations, even there's an opportunity to be light. And he says, and I, so he says, I'm going to find joy, even though I'm chained wrongfully, I'm going to be light and I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let it hinder me. And then he talked about last week, he talked about what does it look like to be humble? And I, I told you this last week that if, 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 you can, if you tell somebody in my humble opinion. Do the math. You're probably not. You're about to say something that's probably not very humble. And he talked about that the definition of humility is all you got to do is go back to look at what Jesus did for us. His humility was unbelievable. So in the change, he said, find joy. Opportunities to, to be light to the world. And so we get to this idea of actually being light to the world. And we saw the video, this unspeakable joy, this opportunity for us to do that. So if you've got your Bibles where you are, we're going to walk through this here in just a moment. The theme about today is this. We are called to follow Christ's example, not only in unity and peace in the church, but also to a watching world. Our character, and this is important, our character and our message need to, need to line up and they matter. Because if you're a jerk to somebody, and then you want to tell them about the love of Jesus, let me just tell you, they're tuning you out. They are not going to listen. I don't care if you are, if you are exactly right, they're not going to hear you because the methodology is out the door. And so we talked about just kind of a a general definition because when we talk about joy somebody goes what do you mean joy like put a smile on my face and let's just plow through I think we we need to think about a biblical joy and so I want to give you this it's an attitude a choosing to be joyful it's an attitude Uh, we went to uh, Legoland in Kansas City we took our daughter up there and went to the thing let me just tell you if if you want to be if you want to figure out how joyful you are stand in line with a bunch of children waiting for a ride Do the math. I think Alicia was right. That's why you take them when they're older. The worst thing I heard in Legoland with, by the way, it was spring break. Kids were out. There were a lot of people there. The worst thing I heard while I was there was this. And this guy, this dad was not joyful. Where is my son? In the masses of people. Of course, he's saying that loudly, but we're all like, I don't know what your son looks like. I can't help you here. And he was scurrying through and looking. But the thing that I was most scared of is that if you've ever been to Legoland, everything gets touched. And there's no hand sanitizers to be found anywhere. Not even as you exit. And I was watching these kids' mouth and playing and coughing and mixing and playing. And I was like, my daughter's like, Dad, can I? I'm like, oh, come here, sweetie. Let's go over to these dry ones, you know. (laughs) but it's funny because joy is a choice I had a joyous time with her I really did I, getting on rides even waiting for her because I could see her enthusiasm but it was a choice I don't particularly like standing in line and kids are very impatient and parents are threatening with them an inch of their lives that you will like this and I paid top dollar or off, you know that kind of thing and so it's a choice it's about where we place our focus Paul is telling us that your focus really matters is it going to be on Christ or is it going to be on whatever it is And it lives with a gratitude for what's been done for us. See, even if you can't find joy in any situation you're currently in, if you are a follower of Christ, you can always, your default position is, man, God did so much for me through His Son Jesus on the cross. How could I ever whine and complain about that? So, as we kind of get launching into this, this being light of the world, a couple big words, uh, we call these church words. Uh, I grew up with these words. Some of you may or may not have. But they are powerful words because these two words I'm about to give you are connected. They're important words. The word is justification. It's a judicial, God's judicial declaration that a sinner who believes in Christ is counted righteous instead of guilty based on Jesus' death on our behalf. Okay? This is, this is what Jesus has done for us, okay? And this is connected to the next word called sanctification. Sanctification is a lifelong process of transformation into the likeness of Christ. We've been talking about this in Romans extensively for the last couple of months. But you can't get sanctification unless justifications happened. You can't get that on your own. You can't, you can't make your life better and super spiritual. You need what Jesus did for you for that part to happen. Okay, so let's get to our story. Let's get to where Paul is. We're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 20, 12 through 30. I want to read them and then we're going to go back through and plow through them r- real quick. The therefore is always about what was just said. Go back and read, especially starting at about verse 5 and see what it says about who Jesus was. Beautiful stuff. Okay, therefore. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to the will and to the work of his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world." Hold fast to the word of God so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and will, re- and will rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Verse 19, he's, he's giving you this, and then he says, I'm going to send a couple of guys to you that are going to model some really good things that I think will help you. He says, I hope that in the Lord too, I send Timothy to you soon so that I may I may be cheered by news of you. And I give... I have no one like him who is genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all who seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy is proven worthy as a son with a father. He has served with me and the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as a son as I see how it, how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord, and shortly I myself will also. Verse 25. I have, therefore, necessary to send you Ephroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been a longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and near death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me. and least I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you might rejoice and seeing him again, that I might be less anxious so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, s- such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So he gives you this example of of working out your faith, and we're gonna unpack all this now. He talks about this this these guys that like these guys are getting a lot right here. They're not perfect, but man, if you want to follow some guys, these guys would be it. So let's look let's kind of go back through this now and kind of look. Verse 12, great stuff. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, our, our, our salvation, when we enter to a relationship with Christ, this is just the beginning of a long journey for us. You start to grow. You start to. I look back on my in my early days as a follower of Christ, and man, I was man, I was all over the page. I was man. That was just it was crazy. And Paul is saying you got to work out your faith. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes work. And I I was thinking through. You know, when you think about this, work out your salvation. There are two things that came to my mind. I want to give them to you. To work out your salvation simply means to follow the example of Christ. Do what Jesus did. That means you've got to actually read it and actually then the hard part is actually do what it says. What was Jesus like and then do that thing. However Jesus lived his life, however he handled situations, however he modeled things, do that. Not hard, but it requires you to actually look at what Jesus did and actually do it. And say, okay, or not do it, whatever the case may be. The second one was this. Working out our faith also is essential to the health of the church. Here's why. Because if every one of you in here stays spiritually, babes, is that dangerous? Absolutely it is. If there are no spiritual leaders in this church outside of me, is that bad? Absolutely it's bad. We were mandated to grow. We We were supposed to put some some roots down, and grow. Some of you, if you didn't grow mature, spiritually mature, think about the, the effects it would have on your children or co-workers or your spouse. Think about right now, if, if Brad was spiritually immature and didn't ever grow a lick from the day that he gave his heart to God, would you want that person teaching children right now? Would you want your life group leader to be spiritually immature And not able to take you any further than you? No. The church needs people to mature because the church is strong. We keep doctrine purity. We help people take steps. We make sure that no one hijacks the church. We we live out what God's called us to do with our gifts and our services. And so the church is healthier when we're growing. Work out your salvation. Look like Jesus and then put it into practice, pretty simple stuff and look at what look at what Paul said, going back to Romans Romans let me tell you is really amazing because Romans and Philippians have lots of crossover and look at what what Paul said in romans eight twenty nine says for those whom he knew talking about Jesus, he also predestined to conform to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What Paul is saying here is that we were designed to look like Jesus we were meant to live like him we were supposed to be him and even in your chains or whatever you're facing we were to we were supposed to look like him when you talk about working out your salvation I'm not talking about getting a whole bunch of head knowledge I'm not talking about being able to memorize a bunch of verses which all those things are good but do you look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday or last year or last week See, the idea is that we are to look more like Jesus. And that people go, okay, that's what Jesus looks like. Oh, finally, somebody shows me. And I love this because you get, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If Just a couple things about fear and trembling. Fear and trembling, it's a healthy reverence for who God is and a sober realization and that I must take it seriously. Who is this guy? Oh my goodness, I need to take this seriously. That the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who can do anything, the God who has all power, all knowledge, all everything, knows what he's doing. And that we should have a healthy respect and fear. And I'm not talking about like a whipped dog. Have you ever pet a dog that's been abused? And as soon as you put your hand to pet them, they flinch? It's because they've been hit probably far too often. And this is that fear and trembling. That Work out your faith with fear and trembling that God is at work, that God can do things. I love what Steve, Stephen Lawson said. He says, God is not a kindly spiritual grandfather sitting in the sky. God is not a teddy bear. God is not a kitten. God is a lion who loves us. But his love does not mean we are at liberty to domesticate him. And I think too often we want a domesticated God that kind of caters to our needs and our wants and our comfort level. And I got to tell you that when, when Paul was in prison, there was nothing comfortable about that. There was nothing good about that. There was nothing enjoyable about that. But God was using his chains for the greater glory. And when we start to see that, you go, wow, God, this is amazing. So look at what it says, verse 13. He says, work out your salvation, because look what it says, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to the work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you, even regardless of your situation. God is at work. Folks, there are just too many stories in the Bible that people in very difficult situations, Sandy talked about that, that the only way that this can happen is because God's at work. That's the only way. That's the only way that this can work. This is the only way that this gets done. I mean, go back to the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. What an amazing story that God is orchestrating something that Joseph doesn't know about, can't see, and but God is at work. And he's going through lots of stuff. Job, same way, still at work. You get lots of stories. Moses leading. I mean, there's just lots of these. All these hard things are happening. and God's like, okay, God's at work. He's doing his thing. And I love this. It says, God is constantly engaged in producing holiness in each of us. God, through whatever thing you're going through, God's not wasting. You, you can say, you can say, why me? But let me ask you another question. Why not you? Because I heard an author said this. When you say, why me? There's a level of self-righteousness there. That God, I don't. this really shouldn't be happening to me. I've been a Christian a long time, God. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Let me just help you out here. If it happened to Jesus, expect it to happen to us. Now, we don't like to think about that, but if it happened to Jesus, and if we want to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus tells us that's a reality for us. We might experience that, okay? He says, for God is at work, both to his good pleasure. In verse 14, he says this, and this ties back to what we talked about last week, about living in unity, living in peace. living. He's, 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 he's going back and reaffirming this. And Look what he says in verse 14. Do all things, and, and catch the all things, because we're going to come to that here in just a second. Do all things without grumbling. And when you get to grumbling, it's it's murmuring or muttering. Have you ever had somebody say something to you, but they didn't want to say it loud enough because they didn't want you to hear it? Because they probably knew it was going to be fighting words. I tell my little girl that if, if there's a, there might be a moment where she doesn't want to do something or she doesn't want to say something, and she'll say something just under her breath. Have you ever done that? If you've been married long enough, you have. And then they go, "What? What'd you say?" And then I always tell her, I always say, "Be prepared for what you're about to say. Can you own your words?" And she'll think wisely. And then she'll either change her words or change her tone or both. And this idea of do all things without grumbling, murmuring or muttering, that's what it means, or disputing, arguing and debating. He says, don't, because all these things don't help the church. They actually hurt the church. So I got a question for you. I was thinking about this last week. Have you ever grumbled and or complained about this church with your children co-workers neighbors church family where they could hear it because something that occurred to me because I was a youth pastor a really long time and some of the reasons why I think that children of pastors kids struggled is because they heard stuff I grew up my dad was a minister for 20 years it's hard not to hear stuff it's hard not to hear things it's hard not to take that hurt sometimes home. It's hard. And I think that sometimes when, oh, well, wow, I, I didn't like, well, he didn't this, they didn't do that, or we didn't just... Can you imagine when somebody catches an earshot of that, how that could hinder the gospel or hurt the gospel? And we say it maybe in passing, And but Paul is saying, don't grumble, don't mutter, Don't do anything to hinder what God is trying to do here. Because I think all of us, if we're honest, we've probably grumbled about something. We've muttered about something. We've wanted to argue or dispute something for our greater right than God's greater glory. Because here's what I know. When our conversations with other believers or among those who don't know Christ personally are filled with negative murmuring and hear me on this, we lose our distinctiveness. We lose our distinctiveness because then they go and they go look at the church and they go, wow, I want to be a part of that. You're You make the church very unappealing because you're saying, well, we don't do this and we don't do that and we used to be this and we used to do that and when people are murmuring about the church, they're not being light and Paul is saying, don't do those things. If you got an issue go talk to somebody but don't go talk to everybody else and maybe hoping that they'll take that to you and here's a couple things you always need to know when you claim to be a follower of Christ and you you claim to be a member of a church others are watching you and others are listening to you when I was a youth pastor man I was really like when a kid would be when the kid would do stupid things on the weekends I would say um, you know, you've got friends watching, and uh, I had a girl here in my student ministry, and she was super committed to Christ. I mean, from the day she gave her heart to God as an eighth grader, she man, she lived for God. Hits her senior year, and a couple of her—I mean, she has modeled Jesus all the way through. Hits her senior year, a couple of her friends tell her, "Hey, let's go spring break, senior trip. Let's go senior trip," and she got drunk. On that trip. And I saw her the next Sunday and I could tell that immediately something wasn't right with her. And she wouldn't make eye contact with me and she wouldn't look at me. And so this is really before the really onslaught of social media and had social media been on the way it is now, she would have been vilified. Some of it was True, but some of it just the way our culture is about that kind of stuff. And so she comes to my office the next day. She says, "Hey, can I swing by and talk to you?" And I said, "Yeah, what's up?" She says, "Went spring break." Yeah, I said, "I know you went with your girlfriends and you went down and had a, you went down spring break trip." She says, "Yeah, but you don't know that um, I got drunk." And I said, "Okay." I said, "What are you going to do about it?" She says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Sweetie." for the last six years you have modeled Jesus you have told kids to live for God you've you've laid out an, this Jesus journey and I said I said don't put it under the carpet and just let it go away I said own it and I'll never forget she got up on a Wednesday night after we were done and she said some of you are aware a lot of kids weren't but enough were she says i made some poor judgment on this trip. And I'll never forget what she did. She didn't try to explain it away, excuse it away. She looked at the group there and she said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Because I modeled something to you that I shouldn't have. And I'll never forget that there wasn't a kid, all those kids looked at her with a sense of like, wow, wow. Here's a 17-year-old girl asking for forgiveness and modeling Jesus, knowing that everybody's watching, knowing that everybody's going, are you serious about your relationship with Christ? Then here's an opportunity to actually show us. And she did. It was amazing. And she stood up and she said, that's not what I'm about. People are watching. People are listening. And then go back to verse 14. Do all things. Your entire life, folks, is about living for God. You can't just say I'll do the Jesus thing on Sundays and Wednesdays and certain times of the year. It's your entire life. So look at what it says, keep rolling. That you may talking about muttering and grumbling that you may be blameless. He says muttering here's the expectation of Paul says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. He says, look, you need to set the bar. This young lady set the bar. She says, I don't want anybody to have an excuse. Well, she, no, she said, I'm going to live this way and I'm going to own it when I don't get it right and stop excusing it. And she says, I'm going to live this way. God wasn't asking her to be perfect. He was just saying, live at a standard and model it. And we're supposed to be, here's, look what Paul says, be blameless, innocent children of God. Without blemish, says, man, strive, strive to live for God. Blameless doesn't mean Sinless. But being without an obvious moral defect or blatant character issues. I'm not talk about being perfect. It's like, man, but you ought to be working on stuff, and don't don't just apologize. I had a guy in my church years ago. He used to just always say, "Danny, it's just the way I am." No, you, God, there's not a spiritual gift for being a jerk. There's just not, and the way that you treat people is not a spiritual gift. That, Danny, Danny's just the way I'm, no, 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 no. What you're saying is, God, just, I don't want to really change, so I'm just going to be this way. And God's like, mm, no, no. I love what Paul, Jesus said in Matthew five thirteen. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its taste. How shall it be salt? How, how is its saltiness be restored? He goes, we're supposed to be salt. It, it should add flavor to the Jesus that we want to talk about. We should be modeling that. But yet, we're not. We're not. And I love this, This, if you're taking notes, light. A person can only witness to that which they already possess. You can't tell people about Jesus if you don't know Jesus personally, and if you're not growing, if you're not growing and taking steps. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of light, so that in the day of Christ I might be poured out that I did not run in vain, or labor in vain. He goes. Then hold fast to the word of God. And Paul is thinking, man, I hope you do this, and, and I hope everything that I'm doing is going to advance the kingdom of God. I hope that whatever I'm about, whatever I have put all my energy into, whether it's you or anything else, that it is to advance the kingdom of God. Not that I've just random run a random race that is ac- going to accomplish nothing. And Hebrews four twelve says this. it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, to the joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this idea is that, we talked about when he says that in verse 16, hold fast, that idea is tenacious, like hold on to the word of God tight. Hold on to it tight so that you know that regardless of what you're walking through, that the word of God will hold you and carry you through that. It's tenacious. John MacArthur said this, is just as right doctrine without right character is hypocritical and ineffective, so also is right, li- is right living ineffective if believers are not proclaiming the gospel truth. And there's something too that if we claim to love Jesus, that the one that you know of that's already God's laid on your heart, that we're not being light to them, how can that be? How can we be quiet about that? How can we hope that somebody else will do that? So look at what he says in verse seventeen. For even 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 if I am poured out as a drink offering upon sacrificial offering or for your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you always. Rejoice, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, he is saying, I don't, even if I am sacrificed, I'm going to be joyful in this journey. I'm going to I'm going to I I'm excited to do this. Now, here's my question. Uh, does everybody know who this person is this picture would you want to take lessons on joy from him that <laughs> is mean, funny because Eeyore um, is is I mean if you've ever watched any, seen anything with Winnie the Pooh uh, Eeyore is this is how he lives and yet here Paul is saying I'm going to be joyful even in my circumstances regardless of what happens to me see you can't share joy with somebody if you are not joyful. You can talk about it, but I can tell you, but I if I'm around those people who goes, Yeah, I'd like to tell you about some joy. <laughs> really? I think I need to tell you about some joy, you know? I You're not going to hear from that person because there's a woe is me coming. Yeah, I'd like to tell you about some joy if I could find the right tail that they could put on me for once and it would stay. Can I tell you about something else too? My knee kind of hurts. And um, those people aren't, I mean, everybody has stuff. But if it's always about you, you don't have an opportunity to be joyful and to present joy to somebody else presented. And so we see that. And he says, I love this, joy cannot be shared. It can't be shared if we're not possessing it. And I understand you go, man, can you manufacture joy? No, but you can choose to focus on Christ even when you're in a season of, man, this is hard, God. This is hard. This is hard for me. And so Paul is saying, work out your salvation. Don't grumble and complain. Find your joy in God. Live for Him model it. Everybody's watching. Everybody's listening. And let me just tell you how sobering that is. Everybody's watching. Everybody's listening. They are. They may not tell you. They may not walk up to you. I promise you, children, grandchildren, Beth and I are amazed. Our little girl will sing the songs based on the radio station that's playing and knows them verbatim. You know, song will come on 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 uh, the Christian radio station that we listen to, and, and man, I'm like, she knows the whole words, all of them, soaking it up like a sponge. And people are listening to our thoughts, our actions, and so forth. And so, let's go back to 19 because Paul says, "Look, I've got these guys. I want you to see, do what they do. They're not perfect, but they're getting a lot right." He says, "I hope." that in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who is, I love this, he's genuinely concerned about you. See, are we genuinely concerned about the one or anybody else? Are we genuinely concerned about being light? He says, for they all seek their own interests. He's talking about everybody else, not those of, of Christ. But you know that Timothy's proven worthy How has a son with a father who has served with me in the gospel? I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Look at them. Catch these. Brother, worker, soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Isn't it amazing? Even in his illness, he's going, man, I really care about those people. My heart hurts for those people. Isn't it amazing? I've known some of you that have gone through incredibly difficult seasons with spouses, with illnesses, with wayward children, and you're still thinking about other people. Let me just tell you something valuable about when you're suffering. Sometimes thinking about somebody else will help you not that your such stuff just doesn't drown you. Does that make sense? Sometimes your pain and suffering, if you're walking with somebody else, will just keep you from drowning in their in your stuff. And there's just something valuable about that. Here's the verse 28 it says, "I I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be." be less anxious so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for the, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me and so we talk about this idea of being light of the world I got to get my little toy down here and being light of the world I'm going to ask my friend Ty to come up here Ty quietly plays right there And can we dim the lights just a second, Russ, just kind of where I am? And then there was dark. I'm not God. Do the math. Here's what I've learned about flashlights. Flashlights are great for what? Shining light. Okay? Okay? That's what they're designed to do. They're designed to show you where stuff is. Now, if I'm with Ty and I just do this, (laughs) I'll help you down the stairs. Sorry, Ty, you didn't know that was coming, did you? Here's what I know about light shiners. There's two ways we can shine light. We either spend all of our time shining on the person about all that's wrong about them, or we shine the path to Jesus that can heal them. Make sense? Because if all we're doing is shining the light on all that's wrong about them, we're not shining it to Jesus anymore, are we? We have quit doing that. We're saying, get your life all cleaned up and then we'll, I'll show you the pathway to Christ. We need to stop shining light in people's eyes and dilate. You can have a seat. Do you need me to help you down? No, you're, okay, you're good. Thank you, Ty. Because here's the reality. When we're shining light in a way, we're shining it to Jesus. But when we're shining it upon them, we're, we're saying we know. We're, we, it's so easy to become self-righteous in that moment. Let me just show you all your defects. Let me just show you all that's wrong about you. And what this was intended to do was point the pathway to salvation, not to hinder it. When I was a kid, my dad was a prankster. Still is, but and we lived uh, how many of you remember back in the day I think they still do the cameras had the flash that was like you could take it off your camera and well my dad's he could charge it and then um, he would take it and he would come in to wake us up for a variety of things and he would have that flash and he would get like I'd be laying in bed and he'd go Danny it's time to get up and he would hold that flash about two inches from my face and go <laughs> <laughs> all I could see was spots for the next 10 minutes and I think to myself how many times do we shine light in people's eyes where they can't see Jesus because we're so concerned about their behavior or whatever is going on in their life that we're sh- they, we've done we've blinded them because all, we're not shining it to Jesus we're shining it at them about all that's wrong about them so if you want to be a light shiner point it to Jesus not at the person because that's how they get healed. That's how, that's how transformation takes place. That's how they enter into a relationship with God. And so Paul said this, and I'll close. He said, 1 Corinthians 11, when he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let me tell you, you want to take a gulp? Can you say, God, I, want, I reflect you well enough in a humble manner that I could say to somebody else, that I could say to David, David, follow my examples as I follow the examples of Christ. That's not an arrogant statement. It's just a statement of saying, I think I'm on the right path that I can ask somebody to follow me along that journey. Where we shine this light is really important. And as you are growing in Christ, you will shine it less on the person's stuff into the person who can do something about it. Let's pray. Father, I pray for me that I would I'd be a shiner of light to you, not at. And I ask for forgiveness that we as Christians have, have shine light on people and not at you because you are the salvation of us all. And I pray, God, that the working out of our salvation, that in that journey, that we would magnify you, not ourselves. That our light would reflect you well. And I pray, God, that there may be some in this room that don't know you as Lord and Savior. You can't shine a light that you don't, don't know anything about. You can't shine a light that you uh, aren't acquainted with. And I pray, God, that over the next few moments that maybe we would have an awareness that we need you as Lord and Savior. There may be some in this room, God, that the one that you've laid on them, maybe they just want to treat this as an altar and just pray for that one. I, I would encourage them to do that. There may be some in this room that have some questions about making Pleasant View their home they want to call pbc their home they want to they want to set their roots here maybe they want to talk to one of our pastors about that we would be honored to do that for the next few moments god break us humble us